Welcome back to the 20th and Blake podcast from Mile High Sports, presented to you as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, today, I wanted to uh, kind of go over a more positive uh, tone than I've been taking uh, the, the past few episodes. Uh, something that I did want to note as uh, news that was uh, pretty pretty important, I thought, uh, because something I discussed earlier in the season was the importance of Daniel Bard, or at least the notability uh, that he was able to contribute to the Rockies. Uh, I mentioned that in uh, recent episodes, but I also uh, talked about him earlier in the season, uh, his comeback story from the Yips and you know, retiring from baseball from a short amount uh, for a short amount of time, becoming a mental skills coach with the Diamondbacks, and then. Uh, and then finding a place on a major league roster in Colorado. He ended up being one of the more effective relievers in baseball this year. He had an incredible spin rate uh, His uh, on most of his pitches. He was very effective. Uh, he was probably the best reliever in the Rockies' bullpen. Actually, not even probably. He was the best reliever in the Rockies' bullpen, and he was someone who uh, the Rockies took a long shot on. Uh, so, I mean, considering all the other uh, anticipations of the bullpen and how bad the Rockies' bullpen was this year. It, it was a nice silver lining to watch Daniel Bard succeed. Uh, so he was nominated for Comeback Player of the Year for this season. Uh, also, just on, on a side note, Tyler Matzik from the Braves was not nominated as a potential winner of the award, which I don't understand how that's justified, but um, alas, I digress. Back to Daniel Bard, and it's it's really um, good for him that he was recommended for this award. I'm, he at least should be considered for in the conversation for best reliever in baseball. He wasn't, but his name should be mentioned in that conversation. Um, but for this episode, in light of that, I did want to go over what I thought the Rockies were in terms of uh, their awards. Uh, who was the team MVP? Who was the team Cy Young? who is the team Rookie of the Year, and uh, and I have a couple things to say about each of these guys. Um, and it, it was somewhat easy to, to make the decision uh, for each of these positions. I mean, the numbers really bear it out. Um, first of all, with, uh, with Rookie of the Year, I picked Josh Fuentes. First of all, you the Rockies really didn't have very many eligible players uh, for Rookie of the Year. Uh, they had, like, Maybe I didn't count, but it wasn't it wasn't really uh, competitive. It was probably maybe three um, between like Ashton Godot, who pitched four games, would, wouldn't even be qualified for the award, uh, as well as uh, Elias Diaz, who I think is qualified for the award, and he did okay, but I he didn't come close to uh, becoming a part of the regular rotation as as Josh Fuentes did near the end of the season. So, I mean, Josh Fuentes, again, he was really the only option at this point, but his development and his presence at first base was definitely encouraging for the Colorado Rockies. Again, something I've brought up, I think, on almost every single podcast episode that I've recorded since the end of the season is that Josh Fuentes led the entire uh, Major League Baseball, actually, in defensive run saved at first base. And... That's incredible, considering he 
did that with less than half of the innings played uh, than uh, the rest of the league, or at least most of the finalists. And yes, defensive run saved is a cumulative statistic, so it's a counting statistic, not a rate statistic. So um, how he was able to do that was incredible. And considering second place was Evan White, and Evan White has been touted as an elite defensive prospect, and you hardly heard Josh Fuentes' name as a defensive prospect at all, uh, and or, or at least at first base or on a national level. So it was encouraging to see that. Hopefully his hitting turns around, but again, none of the Rockies really hit well, so I'm not going to hold it against him. Again, I'm not sure if Josh Fuentes is the long-term uh, solution at first base, and I still think the Rockies should bring in someone like C.J. Crone to compete, uh, but it is encouraging to understand that the left side of the of the infield is probably the best left side of the infield in Major League Baseball defensively. To have someone who can cover for them over at first base is peace of mind for sure for the front office and the coaching staff. So Josh Fuentes absolutely deserves uh, the Rookie of the Year award for the Colorado Rockies. Um, also, he put up uh, 0.4 wins above replacement, which uh, is more than anyone else that was eligible. He is 27, so I'm not sure how much he's going to improve, um, but with repetition, I'm sure he'll he'll adjust quite well. He put up an 86 WRC+, plus, which is not horrible, but it's also not great. Uh, I think he has raw power, and he has potential. Uh, I'm not sure what I would adjust for him um, I think I think he's probably too aggressive he only had a, a walk rate of 1.9% which is really low and potentially even unsustainably low uh, so I think that once he uh, gets used to major league pitching gets used to major league zone uh, then he'll probably be able to turn into at least a league average hitter and uh, as he already is a significantly above average major league hitter so that's the rookie of the year award uh, Josh Fuentes really ran away with that. And with that in mind, I uh, wanted to move on to the Cy Young Award. Again, this one really wasn't much of a uh, contested pick. I mean, I, I could have picked from really, I would say, a pool of three players, and it was um, I'm picking Daniel Bard just for the sake of having a reliever in here, and as well as Antonio Sensatella, who – was actually quite good this year. Uh, he posted a 344 ERA, which is the lowest on the team out of all the starters. Um, but I'm ultimately going to give it to Herman Marquez. Um, his ERA was at a 3.75, uh, only slightly higher than Sensatella's, but his fielding independent pitching uh, suggested that he was actually performing closer to his true level of talent, whereas Sensatella probably was a little bit lucky. I, I believe expected weighted on base average uh, reflects that that same idea as well. <laughs> but also, uh, Herman Marquez posted a, a Fangraphs wins above replacement of 2.3 compared to Sensatella's 1.1. Now, their numbers are similar in terms of innings pitched and ERA, uh, but Herman Marquez was more effective in winning ball games as, uh, as the wins above replacement statistic. Um, tells you uh, he was able to control the game uh, when it mattered. He elevated his game to um, higher reaches, I thought, when when the Rockies needed it. Uh, outside of that one Houston game, 
which I, his numbers would look significantly better if you if we eliminated that Houston game. He gave up essentially what ten earned runs in like four earned innings or four innings. Uh, it really really uh, boosted his ERA uh, in a in a bad way, I guess. Uh, ruined his ERA and in a sample of 13 games one bad game can can really skew the results but Herman Marquez was ace-like all season every time he pitched you felt like the Rockies had a very very legitimate chance uh, a high chance of winning that ball game because of how effective Marquez was over the course of the season um, his expected fielding independent pitching was 348 again excellent Last season was considered a little bit of a disappointment for him. He posted a 4.76 ERA. And a lot had to do with the fact that he gave up a lot of hard-hit balls. He was in the bottom 6% of the league in hard-hit percentage and the bottom 3% of the league in average exit velocity. Uh, so I think that had a lot to do with his high ERA last year, even though the numbers suggest that he probably got a little bit, uh, little bit unlucky. Um, but this season, he really cut that down. Um, he's at a respectable number in terms of uh, expected statistics. He was in the 50th percentile and expected weighted on base average, which uh, in, in Coors Field, I think that's something you can take, especially with how effective he was um, all season long, considering fielding independent pitching as well. All factors considered, he was uh, at least top end of the line rotation pitcher worthy. Um, he wasn't actually in the running for the uh, the Cy Young Award at the Major League level, and likely because of that Houston Astros game where he just kind of got shelled. Uh, but all season, he was the most effective pitcher. I He's only 25. I assume he'll continue to be as effective as he was this year, and I think he has room to improve. I think he can improve on his fastball spin efficiency, which – that's very, very valuable when it comes to missing barrels. Um, his his spin rate is actually in the 23rd percentile in uh, Major League Baseball. With a velocity uh, in the 85th percentile, he could really benefit from, from a higher spin rate, uh, especially if he gets a, a more effective spin efficiency. You know, Marquez is a guy who he locates really well. Um, he throws it really well, and he has good stuff. So I think, like, all around he's a good pitcher. He's not like a, like a Kyle Hendricks who only has good stuff, locates well, and, uh, and, and draws poor contact. Or he's not a straight strikeout guy such as, like, Garrett Cole. Uh, but I think he's well-rounded as a pitcher, and I think he would be able to get a lot more swings and misses with a higher spin rate uh, and a more effective spin rate. I mean, his strikeout percentage is only in the 37th percentile. Uh, but again, his uh, his barrel percentage, which is the barrels that he allows, is in the 77th percentile. I'm throwing a lot of numbers uh, right now, but uh, just indicating like how effective he was at missing barrels, um, even though he was not one of the more effective pitchers in terms of getting swings and misses with two strikes. Uh, regardless, I think Marquez has uh, a huge ability to leap to take another leap and he's effective as is so with him being 25 he's definitely one of the core members of this Rockies team and unquestionably the Cy Young of this 2020 season uh, before I get to the final award I did want to talk about our sponsor for this episode and that is DraftKings Sportsbook 
Week 5 of football is in the books, and now it is time to review the tape and get ready for Week 6. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of Week 6, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. On top of that great sign-up offer, DraftKings offers great odds boost every Sunday to help you make it rain. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code MHS to get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus compromised with the first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Now for the final award, I wanted to talk about MVP of the team, and this one was actually uh, somewhat contested if, if you look um, directly at the numbers as well, and I'm not even confident that my pick is the right decision. I ended up going with Trevor Story, uh, and I don't think that's the wrong decision. I feel like that's a pretty safe decision, actually, considering Story led the team in wins above replacement. He was... Uh, the only player on the entire roster to hit above a 100 WRC+, plus, which means he was the only one uh, to post an above-average uh, WRC+, plus, which, again, I've talked about my gripes with WRC+, plus and evaluating Rockies players, but still it's at least some indicator that Trevor Story was uh, head and shoulders above the rest of the team on the offensive side. Defensively, again, he is in the elite tier of shortstops defensively, uh, it depends on the metric that you use, actually, to quantify that. In terms of defensive runs saved, he's top five. He's been top five for a while. Uh, but in terms of stat cast outs above average, which was a little wonky this year because of the sample size, um, he ranked below players like Trey Turner, who's not necessarily a poor defender. He was behind uh, Ier, uh, Adrianza, which, again, he didn't play very much. Brandon Crawford, who is traditionally known for his glove, but he's aging. So, I mean, there's a bit of discrepancy when it comes to talking about defense, but I think Story has proven himself to be an elite defender as well as an offensive machine. For the first several weeks of the season, I put him in the MVP race. I think he was the reason that the Rockies had so much success early on because obviously uh, Nolan Arenado wasn't really in that conversation. And really the only other contenders I had for this award um, I, I really only considered one other player for this award, and that was Herman Marquez, considering how useful he was and how dominant he was um, early on in the season, even down the stretch. I think Story uh, didn't heat up and go on uh, a cold streak like Charlie Blackman did. I think Trevor was very consistent. He had a few dips here and there, but overall, for most of the season, he was a consistent offensive machine and did uh, was the most contributing to the the success whatever success the Rockies had however little it was Uh, again it was really it was really tough to decide between the two and I'm still not sure if I made the correct decision 
Um, would love your feedback on that. If you want to uh, comment on Twitter, uh, just review the the episode. But I think uh, I think Trevor is the way to go, considering he's an everyday player, which again <clears throat> is an argument typically when you're looking at MVP and Cy Young Award, and he has that slight lead and wins above replacement. And he's valuable uh, in, in every aspect. He's one of the best base runners in baseball. He's a, a top three base runner on the team uh, behind potentially Garrett Hampson, and uh, maybe that's it. Sam Hilliard's in that conversation as well. The Rockies do have a lot of speed, but he's one of the best base runners, uh, an incredible defender. He's the reason, uh, he's half of the reason why the Rockies have the best defensive left side of the infield, if not the best left side of the infield in baseball. And again, he's an offensive powerhouse. So I, I feel very safe with that award. I'm not sure if I made the correct decision because of how effective Herman Marquez was all season. But overall, Trevor's story was incredible. And with your the two players that you're considering MVPs long-term being 25 years old, you do have to feel good about how the outlook for this team looks down the road the next several years. And maybe, maybe... You don't because of the prospects and the whole contract situation with Nolan Arenado, but at least you know you have a top end of the rotation pitcher and you have a MVP candidate perennially uh, hovering around the middle infield, especially at shortstop, which is uh, the probably the most valuable uh, position in the middle infield or in, well, in the infield. Considering all these things. Um, let me know if you agreed. Again, Rookie of the Year, Josh Fuentes, Cy Young, Herman Marquez, MVP, MVP Trevor Story. Uh, let me know if you agreed with these. Um, in the comments, send me a tweet, send me a DM. Again, follow me on Twitter, Cade Walker NBA, and uh, we will uh, ask you to share this on social media. Uh, this is available wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening.